Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is the college ministry at Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can check out the Living Room ATL on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this talk. What's up, TLR fam? How are we feeling? Was that not incredible? Can we say thank you to the band? That was so good. I love a good acoustic set. Um, For those of you who might not know me, my name is Lindsay. Some people call me LT. You can call me whatever you want. Um, That's right, LT. Um, I'm on staff here with The Living Room, and like Matt said, I love you guys so much, and I love getting to be here every single Monday night. And tonight, I'm in a little bit different of a role, uh, hanging out up here, and I'm really excited uh, to chat for the next few minutes about what God has to say tonight. So I wanted to show you guys my family, in case you don't know me, just as a little introduction. So, oh, thank you, yes. Um, This is my husband, Connor. He's the best. Some of you might know him. He used to volunteer with the living room. Now he's on dad duty on Monday nights. Shout out to Connor. Thank you for holding it down every Monday night. You're the best, yes. And this is our little girl, Liv. Um, This was actually taken... She's so little there. She's going to be a year in like a week, so I'm kind of emotional about it. Um, but yeah, this is Olivia. Her name's Liv. We, uh, we just love her so much. And so that's just a little bit about me. Just wanted to kind of do a quick little introduction before we dive in. But over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about Esther, which is a story in the Old Testament. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read Esther or if you've heard about it, but it's really, really good. And for the sake of time, I'm going to have to breeze through a lot of it. So I want to encourage you on the front end, please read this on your own time because it's a great story. Um, But we're going to be pulling two main ideas from the book of Esther um, tonight specifically. One of them is we're going to be talking about your purpose. So who in here has ever asked the question, why, what's the purpose of my life? I know I've asked that question. I see a few hands. You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want. Um, I love participation, so that's great. Um, But I know I've asked that question and I asked it a lot when I was in your season especially um, because you're in this new season. You're trying to figure out what's my purpose? Why am I on earth? Why am I here? And then on a more micro level, why am, I, when I, why am I in that class? Why do I have this job? Why do I have that roommate? Um, you know, you've got, you have these questions, right? Um, if your roommate's next to you and you love them, you know, give them a high five. Say you're an awesome roommate. Um, I hear some high fives. That's awesome. That's so great. I love that. Um, and if your roommate isn't here, you should probably invite them to the living room. Okay. Anyway, um, and then we're going to talk about God's providence. So the idea of God's providence is that God is God, right? His will, it's gonna happen. What he wants to happen is gonna happen. He's sovereign. So we're gonna talk about your purpose, my purpose, our purpose, and God's providence. And we're gonna talk about how these two things can mesh together. So we'll talk a little bit about your purpose and God's sovereignty. Your purpose, God's plan. Your purpose, God's timing. You guys get the idea, right? So I don't know what you guys think when you hear what a time to be alive. There's a few thoughts that come to my mind. Um, some of you might think of the Drake album. Anybody think of that when, when you heard? Okay, yep, yep. Admittedly, I did not think of the Drake album. Okay, I'm an almost 30-year-old mom. Give me some slack. Um, but I, I specifically, when I was thinking about this series title and just thinking about the phrase what a time to be alive, I actually thought about eight-year-old Lindsay, 3.30 p.m., okay? Just picture it with me. Maybe put yourself in my shoes. I'm a 90s baby, so 90s cartoons are like where it's at. Um, and my favorite 90s cartoon was Arthur the Aardvark. Anybody else love Arthur? 
Okay, a few. I wasn't sure how this was gonna go over. I have heard from a few of you that Arthur's like still lit. He's still streaming. We love Arthur. Anyway, he was my go-to, y'all. Like I loved Arthur. 3.30 p.m., had my chicken nuggets. I'm watching Arthur, okay? So like when I think about time to be alive, I think about eight-year-old Lindsay just eating her chicken nuggets watching Arthur. You know, what a time to be alive. Um, Some of you, if you're a sports fan, you might be thinking if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, what a time to be alive. We're going to the World Series. Yes, yes, very excited. Some of you are like, I don't care, and that's fine. Um, And then some of you, when you hear the phrase, what a time to be alive, you might think of it a little bit sarcastically, right? So like flat tire, 11 p.m. on my way home from a long day, what a time to be alive. Shout out, YouTube. That's where that story came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to encourage all of us tonight for the next few minutes, I want us to think about this phrase, what a time to be alive, in a little bit different of a light, okay? So what a time to be alive because of the unique season of life that I'm in and the opportunities I have to be a part of God's program. So that's kind of how I want us to frame our minds for the next few minutes. And here's what I'm going to say right off the top of, of the message. I probably could bet money that someone at some point has said to you, oh my gosh, college are the best years of your life. Raise your hand if someone's told you that. Okay, raise your hand if you agree with them. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Okay, right, right. Okay, I have a few hands, that's awesome. That's great if you feel that way, that's awesome. But I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you guys, college are the best years of your life. Oh my gosh, live it up, it's the best. They might be, and there are some really awesome things about college, but I know a lot of you, and I know that college is a grind. You're working through college, you're trying to make your grades, you're supporting people around you. It can be hard, and it can be stressful, okay? So I'm not gonna stand here and tell you these are the best years of your life, because they may be, they may not be. But what I will tell you is that there are a few specific things about the season of life that you're in, whether you're in college or a college-age adult, this season of life that you're in that are unique to, to where you're at that I think are advantages to you, okay? So we're gonna talk about those three things and then we'll dive into the text. The first thing is um, you, have, you are probably in a season where you're learning the most about yourself than maybe you've ever learned about yourself in the past and possibly um, you'll learn more about yourself now than you might learn in future seasons. And what I mean by this is you're in this season where you've got new freedom, we'll talk about that in a second, and you're kind of figuring out who you are, right? You're figuring out what you're passionate about, you're figuring out, uh, you're figuring out what you're good at, you're figuring out what you might not be so good at, um, you're, you're learning the things that are going on in the world that you're not okay with, that you wanna fix, that you wanna make better. And these are all things that God has wired in you, uniquely to you, and you're learning that about yourself in this season. That's one thing. The second thing is you might not ever be surrounded by as many people and access to community as you are right now. You might be. I'm not going to say you're never going to be because I don't know. But you're in a season now that's like ripe with community. You've got peers all around you. You've got potential mentors. You've got your small group leaders. You've got professors. You've got really great access to community. And I also want to address some of you in the room tonight that might feel like, yeah, I'm surrounded by people, but I've actually never felt more alone And if that's you, I want you to know I see you. And if that's how you feel, we want you to feel safe here. The living room is a home away from home. We say it all the time and we really, really mean it. And this is a place that we want you to belong and a place where we want you to connect. And so Matt will talk at the end of all of this, how to get plugged in and how to find community. But with all that being said, this is a season where you're surrounded by people and a lot of access to community. 
The third thing that I think you've got unique to you in this season is you've got freedom of time. You might not feel that way, and in some ways you might not. If you're working and working through school, again, I'm not going to sit here and say, you've got so much free time because I don't know. But if you want to pick up and go to Waffle House at 3 a.m., you can, you know, like you have the ability to do that. If you want to have the third ice cream cone in the dining hall, you can. No one's going to say anything to you about it. Um, I'm using a lot of food examples. Can y'all tell I love food? Um, so you've got this freedom in your schedule. So those are three things that I think are unique to you in the season you're in that I think you could lean into and allow God to use. So we'll talk about that. Um, we'll keep talking about that over the next few minutes. Um, so with that backdrop, we're going to jump right in to the story of Esther. So Esther, um, this story is about a Jewish community living in Susa, which was the capital of Persia at the time. There are four main characters that I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, obviously, Esther, okay? Um, she's the star of our story. Her uncle, Mordecai. We're going to talk about King Xerxes, and then we're going to talk about Haman. So those are our four characters to pay attention to. Um, so where I'm going to start tonight is King Xerxes threw this, like, rager, okay? It was a 187-day-long party, which I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure that's, like, six months. Um, so think about, like, I don't know, the most lit party you've ever been to, and think about it going on for six months, okay? So the purpose of this story, I mean, the purpose of this party was for King Xerxes, it was a flex, okay? He wanted everyone to know how powerful he was, how rich he was. You know, he just wanted everyone to see, hey, I'm, like, top dog, I'm throwing a six-month-long party, no big deal. Um, and so at the end of this party, the text actually tells us that King Xerxes got drunk. Um, he's been partying for six months, so makes sense. Um, so he's drunk, and he actually asks his queen um, to come in because he wants to, like, parade her around like a trophy. And this is where I wish we could spend more time on it because, honestly, like, I love the queen's response. She's like, no. I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I'm like, yes, girl, you go. But King Xerxes was not happy about this. So he got super, super upset. And he basically said, you're not my queen anymore. You're, you're gone. And you know what? I'm going to actually throw a beauty pageant to find my next queen. So super normal behavior, right? <laughs> super normal, super healthy. Um, so he throws this beauty pageant. Again, I'm having to rush through this, y'all. You need to read it. It's so good. But he throws this beauty pageant. This is where we meet Esther. And she comes in, she hides her Jewish identity. This is important, that'll come in later. And she wins the whole thing. So King Xerxes is like, you're my girl, I'm obsessed with you, you're my queen, you win the whole thing. And she becomes queen like seemingly overnight, okay? So Esther is now queen. Um, King Xerxes has selected his new queen. And then in comes Haman, he's our villain. That kind of sounds like a villain name too, Haman. Um, but anyway, he was like pretty high up in the kingdom. He was King Xerxes, like pretty much right-hand man. And he decided to issue a decree uh, that anyone who walked by him had to bow down to him. Again, so much unhealthy behavior in this book. Um, but he issued this decree. He's like, anyone who walks by me has to bow down to me. So Mordecai, Esther's uncle, again, I know there's a lot of characters. I'm trying to keep it all straight. Mordecai walks by him one day, and he's a Jewish man. So he follows God's law, and he's like, I'm not going to bow down to you. Like, no. And Haman gets super upset. Are we seeing a, th a theme? We'll get there in a minute. Um, and so Haman gets super upset, and he's like, you know what? Every Jew, y'all are gone. Like, we're just going to wipe out the whole Jewish community here in Persia. So um, he issues a decree to do that. And King Xerxes is like, fine, that's fine. Doesn't matter to me. Because he doesn't realize that his queen is, Jew, is a Jew. So Mordecai and Esther are now set up in this really unique position to save basically their whole nation. And Mordecai and Esther come up with a plan 
where she's going to go and reveal her identity and say, listen, I'm a Jew. These are my people. I need you to save my people. Like, this is not right. And the way things worked back then um, were if you wanted to go to the king, you had to be summoned. He had to actually, like, ask for you to come talk to him. That was the first thing. And if you were to ever go to the king unsummoned, um, you were at risk of death if, if he didn't approve of your, your arrival. And the way that he would give you approval is he had a golden scepter, and he would raise it up if you came in, and he was like, yeah, I'll talk to you. So just that's context that you need to know. So they came up with this plan, and Esther is kind of expressing her concerns to Mordecai, and she's like, hey, the king hasn't summoned me in 30 days. Um, my life is on the line here. Like, this is getting real. And so Mordecai, this is where we pick up in the text. Here, here's where we pick up. Um, when Esther's uh, words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So Esther responds and she says, go. Gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I will perish. So it gets real, okay? Again, y'all need to read this. It's so good. So here's what unfolds. Esther goes to the king. He raises his golden scepter, which is like, you can come talk to me. He, she reveals her identity. She ousts Haman. Haman loses everything. He gets, like, thrown out of the kingdom. Um, and then Mordecai, her uncle, is raised to Haman's position, and all of the Jews are saved. So that's, like, the summary of the story. Again, for the sake of time, having to breeze through this. This is a really, really rich story, and there's a lot of things we can pull from it. But I think there are three specific things that God has for us tonight. So let's lean in. I want to share those three things. The first thing is that God's program— is going to move on with or without you. I love how straight up Haman was. I mean, not Haman, Mordecai. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. He's like, listen, I have faith that deliverance is going to come from God somewhere, okay? It's, he's God. This is what we talked about at the top of this whole thing. God is God. There's nothing that's outside of his will. He's too powerful to fail, we can look no further than Jesus literally rising from the dead to know that God always wins, right? And this leads me to my second point. God's program is always going to move on with or without you, but he's invited you to be a part of it. The text tells us that Mordecai says, um, you know, this part that I just read, for if you remain silent at this time, uh, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And this is the part I want us to focus on. And who knows? but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So what Mordecai is basically saying is like, hey, God's going to save his people with or without you, but he's got you, Esther, specifically in this position to be used by him. 
And something that I noticed about this story when I was reading through it and just preparing for this was we've got two super, super insecure and unhealthy examples of leadership in this story, right? That's why I kept saying we're going to come back to this. Um, King Xerxes and Haman, they were needy. They needed the beauty of a beautiful queen. They needed someone to bow down to them, to feel validated. They didn't really care about the people they were leading. It's obvious in the decrees that they issued and the way that they treated their people. They were in it for themselves, and they wanted everything from the people below them, but they didn't really want anything for them. They wanted everything from them and nothing for them. And let me tell you tonight, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, or if this is your first time in church and you're kind of skeptical and you don't know about this whole God thing, can I tell you that that is not the God that we serve? It's not the God that we serve. You might have some wounds You might have some insecurities, some fears, some trust issues from leaders like that that have wanted everything from you and nothing for you. But can I tell you that that is not who God is? It's not who he is. Sorry, y'all. Next slide. We serve a God who created us not from a place of need, but a place of love. We serve a God who created us, not because he felt needy, not because he was like, man, I just need some people to like follow me and follow my every command. I need that validation. I'm not satisfied in and of myself. No, God is all powerful, all sovereign, all knowing, all gracious, all powerful. There's no one more powerful than God. He created you. He created me. He sits on his throne, fully satisfied in and of himself, and he chose to create you. He chose to create me because he loves us, not because he needs us. And that means that when God asks us for a yes, when God calls us to step out in obedience, like he called Esther to step out in obedience, he's not doing it because he needs us. He's powerful. He can do it, on his, he can do it by himself. He's calling us because he loves us. God used Esther's beauty He used her bravery, and he used a beauty pageant to save an entire nation of people. And while you and I might not get the opportunity to save an entire nation of people, what we do have the opportunity to do is say yes to what God is calling us to do. So what's your yes? What's that thing that God is asking you to step into out of faith? And that leads me to my final point, that when we're scared, we just do it scared. This text right here, I just, I love it. And it really paints a picture. Esther says, I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I'll perish. You don't say that unless you're scared. Her life was literally on the line, y'all. Like on the line. She was scared. And I wish that I could have sat down in preparation for tonight. I wish that I could have just like called Esther up and been like, how are you feeling? I obviously couldn't. But because I'm a human, I can only assume that she maybe thought a few of of the following thoughts. I'm not enough. I didn't ask for this. This wasn't part of my plan. Um, I just want a beauty pageant. Like what am I, I, I'm not equipped or qualified to save a nation of people. And I know I, I mean, y'all, to be honest, I felt thoughts like this, thoughts of doubt today. I felt this today leading up to tonight. Maybe you have felt thoughts of doubt and fear and like you can't be used. 
But what I want you to hear from me, not from me, from, from the Lord, is that he wants to use you exactly where you're at. Again, he doesn't need you. He loves you so much. And so that means you don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to figure things out. You don't have to get to a certain point for him to use you. He just wants your yes. Esther was terrified, but she said yes anyway. I, um, I, I just want to share a little bit about my story because I feel like it's just, um, it's sometimes a lot easier just to connect on a personal level. And I wish that I could hear all of your stories. Um, but here's a little bit about mine and how God's providence has intersected um, with my life. Um, in high school and middle school, I, uh, I struggled with a pretty severe eating disorder. And I was super insecure, um, looked for validation in my relationships, especially dating ones, um, found a lot of wounds there. Um, I've struggled with anxiety, OCD tendencies, um, just stuff like that. Um, and I get to college, I got to early college, and I just felt like I was damaged. I felt like I couldn't be used. I felt like I wasn't equipped. I kind of made a plan, like plug and chug. Hey, this is what my major will be. Um, I'll do my classes. I'll get in and I'll get out and I'll get a job and make some money. Um, but I don't think I'm ever going to be used in a major way. I'm too broken. I'm too scared. And what God started to do in my early years of college was he started opening doors for me to have conversations with people and share my story and share things that I had walked through, share things that I was currently walking through. Um, and I, this weird thing happened where I started to see God using my brokenness and my fear and the things that I thought counted me out um, for his kingdom and what he was up to in the world. I started seeing um, my vulnerability and you know me sharing offer healing to other people. And I started feeling this stir in my heart, this passion in my heart for college ministry, which honestly at the time it made no sense. I was like a sophomore in college and I felt called to college ministry. It didn't make sense. It also didn't make sense because I'd already chosen my major. I had my life figured out. I, I, I felt like I knew what I was going to do. And another reason it didn't make sense is, again, what I've already hit on is I just felt so broken and so damaged. I didn't think that God wanted to use me or that he had any interest in using me. But what I started doing is I started saying yes. Little opportunities would come up, conversations, um, serving opportunities, internship opportunities, camp, working at camps, things like that. In fact, one of my yeses led to me meeting my husband, so I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, but ultimately, that's right, clap for that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that's like the best. Um, but ultimately, as I said yes to what God was calling me to do, it ultimately led me here to get to be a part of this family, to get to be on this team, and if you don't know me personally, you might not know how much I love you guys. Um, but if you know me, I really hope you do know how much I love you. I cannot imagine my life without the joy, the purpose, the fulfillment that comes from getting to be in this seat. I get to hang out with you guys every Monday and throughout the week. I get to see what God's up to in your life. I get to hear from your small group leaders what God's doing in your hearts. 
And I cannot imagine my life without getting to be here. And the reality is, here's the, here's the truth, just like we've been talking about, God didn't need me in this seat. God's like, I'm doing something with the living room, with or without you, Lindsay, with or without you. But I adore you, Lindsay, and I want you to be a part of what I'm up to because guess what? I created you, and I know you more intimately and more deeply than you even know yourself. And I know, I know that a life of saying yes to me is going to be the most fulfilled life. It might not be the easiest all the time. It's not easy all the time. But it's so full and so fulfilled. And this is what I want for you guys. This is what I want for y'all. I want you to know first and foremost that your heavenly father created you on purpose for a purpose. He fully satisfied in himself said, I want you to exist. I want to do something through you for my kingdom. I want to. This is so much more fun when you do it with me. Come on. Say yes. We have to remember that yes, God is powerful and sovereign and he's God, but he's also our heavenly father, which means there's a relationship aspect to who he is. And we have to remember to view him as a father. And you might have a, have a hard time with that because maybe your father, you don't have a great father figure in your life or you don't have a father figure in your life or it's broken. But God is our perfect heavenly father. And he adores us. He's crazy about us. And he's got something for each and every one of us. For some of you, it might be leaning into that job that you currently feel like is pointless and deciding God has me here on purpose for a purpose. I'm gonna give it my all and I'm gonna bring him glory and I'm gonna praise him through slinging burgers in the drive-thru or helping people find a pair of shoes that fits them or whatever your job is. For some of you, it might be having a conversation with your roommate who you know doesn't know Jesus. And you have this hope inside of you. You have this peace inside of you. You have this joy inside of you. And you know your roommate or your friend needs to hear about that. But you're a little bit scared to step out. Can I encourage you to step out and say yes? I promise you it's worth it. For some of you, it might be placing your faith in Jesus. You might be coming in tonight and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what all this is, okay? I came because my friend invited me or I heard there was free food or whatever. And maybe you have never placed your faith in Jesus and maybe you've never said yes to a relationship with him. And I just wanna urge you, it's the best life that you could live. He loves you so, so much. And maybe that's your step of faith tonight is to say, you know what, God, I haven't figured it all out, but I'm not gonna wait until I do. I've, I wanna have a relationship with you right here, right now. I'm ready. My prayer is that each and every one of us would say yes to something that God is pushing us to say yes to tonight. You know what it is. You've already got it in your mind. You know exactly what it is. So here in a second, I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna ask God to give us the courage to say yes. 
And not just to say yes, but to step out, even if we're scared, and to say, God, you've got me. You've got something for me. You don't need anything from me, but you want everything for me, and I'm in. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are really grateful. We're really grateful that you fully satisfied in yourself, all-powerful, lacking nothing, decided to create us, decided to call us to be a part of what you're up to in this world, decided to use us. And I just pray for each and every one of us in the room tonight that as we are thinking about the thing that you're calling us to say yes to, God, that Holy Spirit, that you would give us the courage to step out and say yes. That we would stop believing the lie, that we're too broken, that we're not equipped, that we can't be used, that this isn't part of our plan, so we're not gonna do it. God, let all those lies just be shattered right now in this moment and help us to remember the truth that you go before us and you're with us and you want our yes because you want what's best for us. God, we love you. We adore you. We give you everything because you've given us everything. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the Living Room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you, we're for you, and we'll see you next time.